Welcome to the Thinking Practitioner Podcast, a podcast where we dig into the fascinating issues, conditions, and quandaries in the massage and manual therapy world today. I'm Whitney Lowe. And I'm Till Luca. Welcome, Welcome to, to the, the Thinking, Thinking Practitioner. Practitioner. Welcome to the Thinking Practitioner, and this episode is sponsored by ABMP, the Associated Bodywork and Massage Professionals. ABMP membership includes 50-plus member discounts on everything from massage tables and supplies to cell phone service, and all members can access over 200 continuing education courses with free CE hours. You can read ABMP's award-winning member magazine, Massage and Bodywork, at massageandbodyworkdigital.com, where Till and I are both frequent contributors to that publication. And listeners who join ABMP as new members save $24 at abmp.com forward slash thinking with ABMP, expect more. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks, Whitney. And thanks to ABMP. Uh, what's new, oh, Whitney? How you doing over there? I'm doing okay. How are you doing? This is, uh, you know, every day is a different day of kind of like how, how crazy, how much more crazy is it going to be? How long is the crazy going to go on? Uh, we are still in the midst of the coronavirus and COVID-19 shutdown. This is uh, very late April when we're recording this, and I think we're slated for mid-May of of uh, release. So don't know what's going to be happening at that time when this comes out, but um, it's still it's still a very crazy world. I think that we're watching day to day here. How about uh, yes. how are things for you? Well, I got an idea for an experiment. Let's take like a bunch of rats and put them who are used to roaming free and doing what they want, and put them in like a small cage where they can't go anywhere and then like make them afraid every day, pump them full of things that make them afraid Yeah, and keep that going for a month or two. And then let's check them out. Let's see what they're doing. I think we have a good idea what might be happening. There'll be some, there's, some unhappy yeah, rodents, some unhappy rodents. And there's some unhappy people out there. Yeah. Not to say everyone is there's diversity and a lot of people are really finding, uh, meaning in the time that people have or, or, uh, you know, clarifying for themselves what they want from here going forward, getting ready for the new normal, using this as a reset. But there is a lot of upset and anxiety and uh, fatigue from whether it's Zoom, too much time on Zoom, or fatigue from the news cycle, or fatigue from not knowing yeah. how that's building up. Yeah, absolutely. And I, you know, I think we, we talked about this a little bit and thought, well, hey, I think we need to sort of touch base and discuss some of these things and how it's impacting everybody a little bit. So we'll try to get into that a little today. You you propose the topic of staying with it, staying with it. Like, uh, you know, why would we keep doing this work and do we keep doing this work? And I love that. But what, what were you seeing that made you want to go into that today in our discussion? Well, you know, I think this, this kind of gets a bit more, you know, the last two episodes that we talked a lot about the cytokine storm and the inflammatory process, we were getting into the the physiology and the health aspects of how this is impacting us as practitioners. And um, today I wanted to talk about a little bit about the the other side of this whole thing, which is sort of the, the, the personal aspect of relationship with us and our profession and how that has um, been impacted by this. You know, a lot of this has to do with discussions that I've seen on social media, as well as discussions I've had with individual practitioners, clinic owners, school owners, students, uh, how is this changing our perspective on things? And the reality is when you listen to a lot of the discussions going around, uh, not only in our field, this isn't unique to us by any stretch of the imagination. I think a lot of people are asking questions about, you know, what do I do now? We're seeing unemployment numbers at such very, very high levels, and we don't know where the top edge of that is going to ever top out. We're uh, seeing a lot of things that are making people say, 
I don't know how long I can keep not working and, and still do this. So I think the, the underlying question that I think comes up for many of these individuals when they're grappling with this is, you know, everybody's having to make a decision about, you know, what's best for me, for my family, for my ability to provide for my family or whatever it is that we're doing with our income. And why would I stick with this? Why would I keep doing this? Now, for a lot of people, they stick with something because they have to. Um, for most of the people that uh, are in this field, it's a choice to get into this field to do these things. And and I want to kind of talk a little bit about, you know, what brought people to those choices and what makes them stick through a choice like this when things are, are getting really hard? Because we do hear a lot of things uh, from different people on some of these uh, social media threads in particular about some of the various different uh, difficulties of things that they're working through. So that's, in- that's interesting to me. So what makes people stick through things? And, uh, you know, my bias, and I, I'm guessing yours is too, that that's generally a good thing to stick to it. But I just want to put in a little plug for uh, other points of view too. Sometimes people are using this for uh, a decision-making process about whether to stick through it. But, yeah. Uh, yeah, know, I think that's that we a... should have a discussion too. Yeah, I agree with you. I think that's, you know, for a lot of people, I mean, if you look at the statistics of people, and, and I'll speak more so about the massage therapy profession in particular, because we have a little bit more um, granular statistics about that, but there's a lot of people uh, in the field who are in that as part-time workers. And one of the questions that might come up is like, is this something they would keep doing under these kind of circumstances? because this is going to radically change the way you do things in the clinic treatment room with the heightened level of disinfecting that we're going to need to do and uh, the way in which we're going to have to alter the the way we practice with people. Might this be the kind of thing that would cause a lot of people to say, well, you know, I kind of liked doing this, but there's too much, you know, too much other hassle stuff that goes along with this now. I don't know that I'm going to keep up doing it. So, um I've heard that from a number of practitioners, and so yeah. that's one of the things that made me um, just begin asking the question, why would people stay in this? What is it about this particular field that was going to make the people want to stay and want to continue working with the increased challenges that we're going to have? Okay, tell me, what would make people hang in? So I thought about this a while, and I thought, you know, here here's a couple of things that, that come up for me is... The things that you hear most from people are the things like, well, people are going to need massage when this is over because this has been very stressful for them. It's been uh, hard. It's been impactful on them. They're going to need to do some things like this. I certainly think that's true. The other part of this is there's a lot of people out there who are grappling with soft tissue pain and injury conditions that involve the musculoskeletal system that they've been relying on massage therapy for addressing and helping them to manage their way through this. So lots of those people have not been able to get that kind of care. You think in particular about the like chronic pain patients who've been using massage to help manage symptoms that they've been experiencing. So clearly there's a lot of that kind of thing going on. Um, I also thought, you know, um, I was trying to think back on this and thought, well, you know, I think back on the last several podcasts that we did, the discussion of inflammatory um, uh, implications, the the piece that we did on the cytokine storm, the piece that we did on descending modulation, um, and those other aspects of, of all the various, the more sort of peripheral facets of um, what we're doing that really have a whole kinds of system-wide benefits for 
these individuals. These are all reasons that people are going to still want massage and need massage and reasons for people to to hang in there with this because they're dedicated to that idea of being there to help people. So um, there's no question that we're all faced with various different uh, types of challenges. There's been a popular meme floating around on uh, lots of the social media pages, and I can't remember who said this first. I think it was one of the uh, legislative officials or something like that that said, you know, we're all in the same storm. We are just not all in the same boat. And I think that's a real good aspect of this is some people are going to be able to weather this easier than others. Maybe people who had a two-income household and the other spouse or partner within the household is working at another job that has not been as badly financially impacted as us. That person won't be struggling as much as will the maybe single parent individual who's using their massage therapy practice uh, for sole income for their family. So um, that certainly does bring up a lot of those kinds of questions. It does. And there's a lot of acrimony in the background between within our profession, our different professions, whether you're a massage therapist or other kind of manual therapy practitioner. Uh, we are turning on each other a bit at this point. Yeah. Uh, and that experiment with the rats, make the rats scared every day for a few months and see what they do to each other. But there's also a, a background, there's a lot of background issues, but one of them is this one you mentioned, Whitney, about uh, diversity of privilege and options. Mm -hmm. So there's people that feel like they have zero options and really do need to uh, survive. Yeah. And their issues are survival. How do I actually survive? There's other people who say, you know, my life isn't that, that much different. You know, I was only seeing a few clients anyway. I don't travel. I spend a lot of time at home. And uh, so my life hasn't changed. So we have a whole spectrum of effects and a whole spectrum of threat levels going on. And it does bring up the, the issue of privilege. You know, how, do, how privileged and how many options do we each have? Yeah. Well, you know, uh, massage as a, as a methodology or soft tissue manipulation or body work or wherever you, however you want to categorize it has, in many respects, been perceived or categorized by um, a number of people as something that is done with discretionary income that, uh, you know, it's a luxury item of things that you, yeah, it's nice, but it's not uh, an essential type of thing. And for many people, it has become something that's really important part of their uh, maintaining their overall sense of wellness and health. And so that question comes up about how do you define essential services or how do you define what is luxury and what is necessity? And where do we fit in there? And I think that's one of the things that caused a lot of people to have um, all this debate and discussion about when do we close? Uh, because, yeah. you know, hey, I'm an essential service. Um, I shouldn't be being forced to close because I'm, you know, dealing with healthcare problems and things like that. But Yeah, that's yeah. right. And the current debates, they, it might be different by the time this airs, but the current debates about when do we open and how do we know when we open. That's right. Yeah. 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 And I think that, it, it is interesting because the closing decisions had some very different types of um, things to consider around them than the opening decisions will. So the closing decisions were, you know, oftentimes this happened in a matter of days. Okay, a mandate came down from the state legislature. You have to close. So, okay, walk mm -hmm. out the door, yeah. close it and lock it, and that's it for an undetermined period of time. But this question mm -hmm. about how do we open back up is now fraught with all kinds of stuff about what kind of personal protective equipment does a manual therapist wear? How do you disinfect fabric in your office treatment room? You know, what kinds of things 
can be done to make sure that we're not uh, enhancing any further spread of, uh, of infectious processes in, in our treatment rooms that, you know, sure, we thought about universal precautions before, but we didn't think about it in that level of detail that we're, that we're really having to think about now. Bigger implications. Yeah. Bigger implications. And again, diversity, because there's a, you know, acrimony on that issue as well. There's everything from people making the case that it's unethical to even be working. Then back some people are saying it's it's murder mm-hmm. if you decide to see clients. To the people saying, hey, I just, you know, it's, it's a choice I want to make for myself. My client's okay with it too. Uh, you know, so there's that whole spectrum of... Uh, different reactions to that question about should I work or not to. You and I decided not to try to get into the specific recommendations about how to go back to work because it's still in flux for one. We'll know more as time goes by, but I can see a place for some clarity and uh, pointed discussions about how do you, what does the science say? How do you deal with those issues in your practice? Yeah. And, you know, um, looking at, I think some of our best models will tend to come from watching what has happened in some of the other countries who were ahead of us on the timeline of when they yeah. had the infections, um, you know, come up to the highest level and what has happened is they've begun to ease off of that. But there's some really important distinctions that get into, boy, deep elements of sociopolitical structure in our society of, like, it's way different Um for example, I think personally about the way in which um, the requirements may have been handed down and also enforced and followed in a place like South Korea uh, compared mm-hmm. to the way in which they might be um, followed and enforced and pursued here in the United States where the socio-political um, mindset of, of our country is independence of I, you know, yes. nobody's going to tell me what to do kind of thing. That whole rugged independence thing that we have here as uh, freedom. Citizens, that whole thing about freedom here. That's put a really different spin on this whole um, idea of everybody following the rules that were passed down. And uh, so so that's going to be interesting to see how that um how that plays out, I think, with, with this whole reopening process here. And that, uh, I think, too, has led to a lot of the degrees of uncertainty from everybody about, you know, why why we keep, you know, you can ask the question, why we keep doing this, can be asked about why do we keep doing massage or why do we keep not doing massage? Um, you know, those, mm-hmm. those mm-hmm. two things both are falling into that whole question of why. Yeah. Well, uh, you, you know, I put out a little ping onto social media a week or so ago. We originally... Th- slated to talk about what's the value of of hands-on therapy what's the value of body work because it's great to have a reminder for that maybe we're still going to get to that because it's an interesting topic but when i did my ping on social media i put out the question so remind me why would i pay for this stuff anyway just as a rhetorical question yeah and it generated a really rich list of benefits and values that practitioners see in the work it also and i should have predicted this it generated a backlash of anger and uh defensiveness and outrage that someone was even asking that question yeah yeah so and it's a touchy subject absolutely you yeah and i thought that was i mean you had responses in the hundreds to that um thing that you put out was there anything that stuck out for you as is in terms of um themes or concepts or ideas yeah. that were particularly important of that thing a group of things that came back in yeah, I did my categorization thing I do or trying to organize it somehow. 
And basically it came down to the benefit side that people believe and were able to willing to articulate was the big one and first and maybe biggest feels good. Yeah. It feels good. It's an amazing experience. And a lot of the responses were, why are you, you know, you've obviously never even been on a table if you're asking this question, yeah, I saw that. <laughs> which is, which is true. It's true. If you've had that experience, if you've had an amazing yeah. hands-on experience, you don't even question its value. Yeah. It's like one of the best experiences you could ever have. Mm-hmm. And people are going to come back to that. You know, it's that primal level of safety, relaxing, calming that nothing else can touch in quite the same way. Yeah. And, you know, there's been all of these comparisons between what's happening now. If you look, again, just on the economics level alone, with the uh, numbers, the unemployment numbers in this country looking yeah. like they might approach the Great Depression. Um, and yeah. people saying, how can, you know, where does massage therapy fit in this kind of world? And the thing yeah. I think to remember is that we have to be careful about making some of those kinds of comparisons because. The, the world mm-hmm. that existed prior to COVID-19 just, you know, two, three months ago was very different than the world that existed in 1927 prior to the Depression of yes. what society is like, what we do with ourselves, how we work, how we engage with things. So um, we have to be careful about making some of those kinds of predictions about, you know, whether or not this is a valid mm-hmm. thing, whether it's going to come back based on looking back only and making those kinds of comparisons because we're coming from a very different place to start with. We are, we are. It, it, this feels good thing raises really interesting questions about is feeling good enough yeah. for us to trust, trust in its value? Is it is it enough if we, uh, you know, are we uncomfortable with the hedonism or the luxury aspect that that implies? Probably. Some of us are, some of us are not. That's where it gets uncertain when we think about economic changes. Is it people going to be able to afford that luxury? But really, pleasure, per se, and enjoyment are essential uh, nutrients in our emotional diet. And people will seek those out and find those yeah. and get those, mm-hmm. no matter how. Yeah. And pleasure, I think, is really a marginalized uh, dimension mm-hmm. culturally yeah. here. And it's I love to see us stand for just the fact that this stuff feels good and that's what it does. Yeah. And we've had numerous discussions about the the way in which, you know, we live in a culture that feels, in many instances, increasingly alienated from each other. And despite the fact that we've yeah. connected with people all over the world through, um, you know, electronics and the capability to increase communication, many of us don't know the people that live next door to us. Um, and that sense of... Uh, direct personal connection from person to person with somebody who is seeking some degree of care and nurturance through a practitioner, in this instance, a massage body worker, whatever you call yourself, um, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. that thing has become a very important part of our culture and of our society. And it's one of the things that makes me think that, yeah, we're going through a really rocky period right now, and it's likely going to come back pretty significantly on the other side of this. It may take a while for it to be back where it was, and there may, you know, it may not be like it was before. There may be things that have changed permanently for us. We don't know what those necessarily are, but um, I do think that there's going to be a rebounding strength to the things that we're doing. Well, in the sense that we can trust the value of what we offer. We don't know what the future holds. We don't know how it's going to change in terms of economic models, et cetera, but we can trust that what we're offering is valuable. You know, the other the other themes I pulled out of that uh, Facebook episode was anxiety, depression, mood shift, and there's actually decent evidence that 
hands-on work does shift those things for people. A great self-care ritual, just a thing that people do as part of taking care of themselves and valuing and uh, strengthening themselves. Yeah. Pain effects came up for sure. Again, there's decent evidence that you know we can probably have some significant impact on people's pain, improved performance, inflammation recovery. I mean, the li- inflammation recovery, the list is really long. And it'd be interesting to sort those out in terms of their, say, evidence base or maybe even motivator for clients. But all those things that I listed do have some evidence base. And certainly there's things that clients use as motivators to come. Yeah, absolutely. So, so a couple of the things that I want to get into on this um, aspect of, of what we're talking about here and, and, and explore a couple other new facets as well. We're going to take just a brief moment here to hear from our halftime sponsor, and then we will come back and, and touch Good. base on some of those. So who are we hearing from today, yes. Till? Today it's Handspring, my favorite publisher, and that's because Handspring is the one I chose to publish my books. I did a big search. I got some great offers from different places, but I chose them in the end. Small publisher in Scotland, specializing in books right for our field and related fields. It's run by four great people who are really working hard to bring us top quality information. And they're also doing a lot of interesting work about adapting to the changing circumstances we're in. So, for instance, they are running their uh, movement instructional movement series now. Uh, I see, Whitney, you're supposed to tell us about that. Sorry for stealing your line. You want to tell us about <laughs> Absolutely. the Move to Learn piece? Absolutely. Happy to. So, Handspring does have a new instructional webinar series called Move to Learn. It's a regular series of each 45-minute segments featuring some of their most amazing authors. So, you can head on over to their website at handspringpublishing.com to check those out. And also while you're there, have a look at that excellent catalog and be sure to use the code TTP. That's like the thinking practitioner at checkout for a discount. So again, we thank Handspring very much for their uh, continuing and ongoing support of the podcast here. Handspringpublishing.com, TTP. All right, Whitney, where do you want to pick it back up? We have some good stuff. Do you want to talk about what makes us hang in? Yeah, so um, we'll talk about what makes us hang in a little bit. I want to share one interesting little uh, episode or story with you from uh, an experience I had this morning. I was doing a a little Zoom uh, classroom presentation with a group of students at um, a community college in in New Hampshire. And um, I was curious to ask the students because, you know, the students in the school have all been trying to grapple with how do we go to school in the midst of this thing? How do we change the things that we're doing to go to school in the classroom? But I was also really curious to hear in relation to what we were talking about in our podcast today, how has this impacted their perception of wanting to enter the field when they hear all this stuff about people having to shut their practice down, all that kind of stuff? Has that changed their desire to get into that at all? Yeah. What so, an interesting time. Yeah, so um, I asked the group that this question, and, um, you know, everybody said, like, you know, yeah, it's been really kind of scary to watch this whole sort of thing, and a few people said some things like, yeah, it's, it's kind of kicked my motivation a little bit just because I see everybody else having to shut things down. But a lot of them were also resonating many of the same points that we've been talking about. They think massage is important. It's going to be needed when we come out on the other side of this. It's something that's really going to be there for them. So um, I, I still think it, it's, you know, everybody's having to adjust to all kinds of things. But I think the people who are coming into this may have a possibly even elevated sense of meaning and purpose behind why they're doing what they're doing to recognize, yeah, I went through a a load of real crap 
at school, <laughs> trying to get through school in the midst of a, a global pandemic because I really believe in this field and That's I wanted right. to do my training in there. So to me, that was an interesting uh, kind of perception and perspective that we don't see represented in a lot of those discussions. That's true. That's so true, though, that, that we need something like this sometimes to reboot our set of meaning and the priorities. And so it's not, you'd, let's say, you know, if I was just uh, entering a new co- career and wanted to pick something that uh, I was sure was going to be worth my investment, it would be a tough sell just on the purely investment side. Maybe it's always been a tough sell, honestly, yeah. for massage and body work, in spite of the promise of higher hourly wages, low training to wage ratio. The reality is once you get in it, you realize, no, this is hard work and it's not the way that you go if you're just after the money. Yeah. And that's honestly most people who get into it know that. They think you're not doing this because they want the most money. If they wanted that, they would have done something else. Yeah. And so you're saying there's a refinement going on where people are really even more mission driven. They're even saying like, okay, this is work that is important and does offer something of value and I want to be in that and I want to be doing that. Yeah, I think that's true. And, you know, there was a... Uh a post that you shared that had come from somewhere on social media, I don't know where you had picked it up, of somebody who was expressing a great deal of disappointment and also sounded in their message almost like resentment about the amount of money they had spent on their training and their continued education and oh, thought, yeah. like, you know, yeah. now this is not all, this is all not worth it because I can't do this. But, I mean, the reality mm-hmm. is you could pick any number of professions that you might have gone into and you'd be facing the same thing of not being able to work and not being able to do things. I mean, let's say you decided to own a restaurant or something, you know, you might've just lost your entire life savings that you put into a restaurant establishment or something like that. So uh, all of those things could uh, potentially have been impacted or affected in a lot of different ways. So, um, you know, and I, I think too, not to just boil this down into just a, a simplistic business thing, but you know we often have to look at these things from Let's through, try. through that lens. Let's try anyway. Um, yeah, I was saying this to, to the students as well. It's like, you know, if you look at the employment landscape across our field, there have been a lot of people employed in our field, as we said earlier in this podcast, who were doing this as somewhat part-time kind of work, or maybe they weren't wholly invested in it. They kind of did it because it was you know, convenient and easy. And I thought, hey, this is a great place to get started with doing some stuff. Many of those people, and this is just my prediction at this stage of the game, I think many of those people may end up, or maybe I shouldn't say many, a significant number of those people may end up leaving the field because of this and because of the economic challenges now that they've been faced with and go look to do something else, which means um, I don't think when we come back from the the whole uh, other side of this thing, the market for massage may have been diminished to an equal degree, in which case there's going to be a lot of employment opportunities for these people or a lot of options to fill those spaces and voids left by the people who left the profession. So okay, there's some benefits go, coming go ahead, down the please. line, I think, in terms of potential economic um, benefits for people later on down. Um, well, because you say the, the field is going to narrow some, perhaps, in terms of the supply side. Yeah. But I disagree with you. I gotta say. All right, let's hear it. Uh, I, th- in terms of part timers, let's say, now half in, half out, I'm all over it, what you just said. That some of those are going to say it's not worth it, and they're going to step back, yeah. and that's actually going to make it's like that kind of pruning makes the field stronger in the end, you know. But part timers, um, that was my assumption too until I did a little data project with ABMP maybe six years ago. I think it was been a while, five six years ago. And it was actually stimulated by the waves that came out of the 
2008 recession. And so uh, ABMP came to me and says, let's do something around the psychology of a successful practice. And that we went back and forth and cooked it down to trying to measure what what actual things do people do that correlates with them having a successful practice. We redefine that as satisfied with their practice because there's so many different measures for a successful practice. But when you look at how people are satisfied with their practice, both in terms of size and in terms of of the quality of the work they're doing, part-timers are way more satisfied than full-timers. Yeah, I think you're right about that. And I, and I think uh, that's a good clarification because um, I think maybe the better perspective to look at that is maybe not the time frame that you're invested in, but your level of investment in it, which may be yes. different from person to person. Like some people might even be full-timers and just still saying, hey, I'm not quite so invested in this. And uh, just to, like a, an example, um, I have a colleague who I've worked with for many years, and I just saw a post on social media the other day from him saying um, he's closing his practice permanently. Um, Mm -hmm. But he also was on the verge of retirement, um, having had done this Mm -hmm. for 25 years. So that's not a part-timer. That's somebody very invested in this for a long time who's saying, you know, hey, I was really kind of close to a retirement, and this is kind of the one thing that just pushed pushed it into that place. So I think you're right. The the, the determining factor yeah. may not be part-time versus full-time, but really, like, what's your overall level of investment um, in, in what yeah. you're doing here? And we do this because we love it, and if you have another source of income, you can, you're freer to actually love it more. Mm-hmm. You're free to do it for the yeah. meaning and the pleasure it provides. That's true. Yeah. And there's so I know so many people in my trainings that are in that uh, just that in that category. Now, on the other hand, there's nothing like hunger to make you serious yeah. and to uh, make you go forward with it. And it's often that that really challenges people to change and go for what they want. I mean, think about all of our immigrant ancestors who came here. Whether it was you know whether you're uh, whether it was twenty thousand years ago across the Bank Strait or more recent, like my ancestors. People came here because they were hungry and desperate. Yeah. And they were willing to do what it took to have a new life. And that's what we're facing. I don't know if that level of uh, difficulty, but that sort of process where it's like, if, you're, if you have a chance here to make this work because you need to pay the bills, yeah. then take that chance. And my secret hope out of this, and this may be sort of a distorted uh, kind of wish, but my hope is that if this in, does in fact create some degree of contraction within the field that what we do end up with is those people just like you were saying who are really far more serious about doing this and living through all the extra crap they're going to have to do now because they really believe in what they're doing here and not just because hey this is a convenient easy way to make some money and and not have to do anything and have my own schedule kind of thing that they'll really be in it because i consider myself a serious contributor to the health and well-being of the human population here through the vehicle of massage slash body work slash whatever is your approach that you're taking. And mm-hmm. therefore, I'm willing to live through these additional challenges and difficulties in order to keep doing this because I'm, I'm mission-driven about this, mm-hmm. you know? That's right. Yeah. That's right. And that's so, so hearing it as a calling, we do our work, and then we figure out how to do our work. Yeah. Sometimes our work pays us when, we're, when times are good. And if we're doing it right, we're doing it the right people. Somehow we can get paid directly, but there's lots of ways to keep doing our work and keep doing the service we do. Yeah. Uh, what I mean, um, I'm just I'm so embarrassed. I'm not remembering Irene's last name. She does some great stuff around business. Irene Diamond. You know who I'm talking about? 
Thank you. Irene yeah. Diamond. She had a post that caught my eye a while back. Uh, you know, people that emerge from this are going to be so much stronger. Yes. Uh-huh. And that choice happens now. Yeah. Are you going to emerge? Are you going to emerge yeah. stronger? There's things you can do now that make a difference for you. What is that um, popular bumper sticker of that which does not kill us makes us stronger? You know, so yes. in that, uh, not um, yes. literally in this sense, but, you know, the difficulties of having worked through those things, uh, those things that uh, put all the challenges for us, but they absolutely will make us stronger, I think. Yep. Yeah. Well, where do you want to go next? You had some great uh, thoughts you wanted to share, I know. You want to talk about what we do in the meantime? You want to talk about... Yeah, well, I've been interesting to watch this process, too, of what is everybody doing in the meantime, you know, uh, just as an interesting thing, you know, uh, with our um, with our online courses, for example, we have a lot of people who um, bought courses, I think, with good intentions of doing things in them. uh, And then their Mm. busy lives got in the way and they never kind of got around to it. And I have been inundated with students coming back. I, hey, I bought this course two years ago and I now want to get started doing it. So um, I've yes. been really busy trying to manage a lot of the get students into doing things. And it's great to see people taking the time and using it valuably to move themselves forward, to benefit themselves, to say, hey, I want to be even more skilled and more knowledgeable when I come out on the other end of this. Um, that's one perspective. But I've also watched and listened to other people say things like, I'm just trying to take a break. I'm just trying to put Mm. some space in my life to meditate, to be quiet, to settle down, because there is really benefit in doing those kinds of things as well. And those things can enhance the quality of the work that we do when we come back to this, because it's going to be stressful for quite a while, I do believe. I think there's going to be a lot of challenges and difficulties economically and just logistically with how do we do this stuff under these new guidelines this is going to be challenging so the more grounded you can be and and more sort of prepared to deal with some of those challenges i think uh, the better off that we're we're potentially going to be all right or what do you think of this idea challenges sound really likely stress is one possible response yeah stress yeah. is one response to the challenge you mean yeah yeah we have other responses to challenge yeah. i mean it, it's you said it's going to be it's going to be stressful yeah. that's going to be the, the stress triggers are high yeah. the stress factors are high the stress stakes are high stress is one possible response the upside of stress is it mobilizes resources gets our attention makes us deal with things yeah. and yeah. to remember stress is often a word that is used only in its negative connotations Stress is yep. a strengthening mechanism as well. Just like we said, the things that don't break you make you stronger. So, um, I mean, we talk about stressing tissues all the time to make them stronger. That's how you gain strength through conditioning and, and weight training is stressing those tissues. So these things that will be stressors in our life will also, I think, have the potential to reinforce our commitment to our mission uh, about why we're out here doing these things and wading through these challenges to help people as best we can. Mm-hmm. So do you have a sense of what the specifics are on that, what people can do to, uh, you know, in the bridge time here? Yeah, I think, you know, time? Um, my encouragement to people always is find ways to enrich yourself and make yourself better during this time. And you've got to decide what mm. that means. I mean, if it were me, uh, I mean, I haven't really had the situation where I've been off of work like a lot of other people have because my work is around 
you know, building course content and things like that, and actually has accelerated during this time that we've been off. So that's a little bit mm. of a different view from from ways that, that other people have been doing things. But I So you're acknowledging your privilege there. Yeah, absolutely. There. I mean yes. it hasn't necessarily translated into an economic benefit because all no. this time that I've got doing this stuff is really <laughs> set aside like the, those of us who create coursework, you know, realize there's a lot yeah. of upfront work before anything, you know, is released and put out. And so that's where we are now is in the production phase. I, so uh, I'm totally piggybacking on your train yeah. there. I've been so busy yeah. and yet the you know the num the the revenue numbers are way down yeah. because heavily discounting all sorts of you know ideas about that to support people letting people in et cetera et cetera but yeah we're right with you lots of busyness but it doesn't mean yeah. the numbers are up so anyway what how about this uh, self enrichment yeah I think people have to kind of like ask those questions like what what do I really want to do with this time that is going to benefit me the most and and I have to admit there have been uh, days and times where I have gotten sucked into the negativity and the uh, despair and like, oh man, you know, what is going to happen to the world kind of thing. And yeah. um, mm. I noticed that I have to, at some point, extract myself from listening to the news a certain degree and, you know, just decide to get off of social media and not listen to the debates and the arguments and all that kind of stuff at a certain point. But Watch your media diet. You, you really do. Yeah, you really saying. do. And I'm, I'm yeah. really susceptible to that because I... I like to listen to a lot of different ideas and opinions about things. So um, I have to be careful about that. So I think for each of us, we have to find what are those things that can really help us. Um, what's our growing edge? You know, what can we do to nurture uh -huh. that growing edge? And that might mean study and it might mean, you know, taking some courses and reading a book that you've been wanting to read or studying a piece that you've been wanting to do. Or it might mean um, spending more time with your family and your animals and, you know, whoever it is in your life that's, quarantining with you in a way to um, figure out how do you do better things or, you know, learning or giving some good imaginative thought to how am I going to work through sanitation protocols in my treatment room when this is all over? Um, you know, yes. those uh, kinds of things. But my encouragement to everybody is, you know, really try to focus on self-enrichment in a way to think through, I want to come back to this even stronger, even better and more prepared to deal with the challenges that we have ahead. Uh, because, you know, mm. this, this uh, period will create even stronger practitioners and stronger, more resilient people, I think, for us as, uh, as a profession in a, in a whole. Yeah, and I just, I want to spin off of that a little bit and say, I'm all over that. And it's self-enrichment and whatever that means. And if you have the options to read, to study, to relax, to enjoy your family, then by all means, enjoy those. Even if you know that it's true, and it is true, that there's people that don't have those options, that don't feel like they're able to relax or read or study. They're more concerned about survival and the, you know, things lower down on the hierarchy of needs. How am I simply going to pay the mortgage? If that's you, then that's a different kind of enrichment. Then you're being called to actually take action to do what's necessary to ensure your survival. And that's that's also going to build the base for your richer life to come forward. Yeah. So <clears throat> a very challenging time for us, absolutely. And, um, you know, as I said here, we are in late April and we don't know what it's going to be like a week from now, much less several weeks from now or longer. But we are coming into an interesting time where people are starting to open things back up here. And I think those are the big question marks of where do we come back into this as um, manual therapy practitioners 
when is it okay for us to start doing some of these things and how do we reintegrate ourselves? And we may touch on some mm-hmm. of those challenges in some future episodes as well. Um, but, uh, you know, as our overall theme today, I just want to kind of leave everybody hopefully thinking about there's a reason that you got into this, uh, most likely. And specifically, if you're listening to this podcast, you're probably somebody who cares about what you do, uh, because you could be watching Game of Thrones or something else instead of doing this, um, so if you're somebody who really cares about doing really good, high-quality work, you're in this for a reason. So we're all going to try to hang together and work through these challenges. But remember that um, there's a very important underlying reason that we all got into doing this to, to help be with people as much as we can. So, yeah. So if, taking that away, I would say plan, plan on doing your work again. Yeah even if it's not the same as it was in the past. If this is really a calling for you, you'll find a way to work it in. And then work on the meantime in that self-enrichment, whether that's from a place of options and enhancing your life or a place of survival. Do that. Work on that. Get the support you need. We're here to help. And then, oh, i got to say this, Whitney. There's an amazing article I read uh, the other day about a research project about uh, inflammatory markers and loneliness. Oh, interesting. Where, yeah. Yeah, where there's, we've known for a long time there's a pretty clear marker between loneliness and inflammatory reactivity. You're more reactive inflammatorily if you're lonely. Uh-huh. Well, it turns out these we can do things about it the other way, too. If you can change loneliness, you actually change that reactivity. And the, the experiment I read about was actually doing something for somebody else. They took people that had self-identified as being lonely in their lives and gave them a list of options of things to do for someone else, including a donation to an online GoFundMe account, helping deliver meals. And then they measured their inflammatory markers, and inflammatory markers went down. Interesting. Isn't that cool? cool. And here's the other thing. Yeah, it didn't matter if it was an online act or an in-person act, because they wondered, was it going to be different if it actually involved some physical action or just go click something? turns out that people that did either of those things had a clearly significant reduction in their inflammatory responses. Wow, that is cool. Yeah. I'll put the link in the show Good. Notes. That sounds great. Good. Thank you for that. Are we, are we ready for... Yeah, I think up? we will. Ready? I think we, uh, we touched base on a good number of things here today, so uh, we want to try to leave everybody with some good, positive thoughts about uh, hanging in there and doing the very best work that we can now so that we can have an opportunity to get out there and do the best work that we do with the people um, coming down. So... Thank you again to all of the listeners, people who've spent time hanging out with us. We really appreciate you. And if you get a chance, um, hop on over to uh, Apple Podcasts or wherever else you listened to uh, give us a rating and uh, tell your friends about us. Um, And subscribe. That helps us too, by the way. We see subscribers, then that helps us overall. Absolutely. Yep. And uh, we want to say thank you to our sponsors. And uh, also mm. stop by our site for show notes, uh, transcripts, and extras. Extras That is at thethinkingpractitioner.com. And Till, are you on the interwebs where people can find you? Uh, a little too much yeah. lately, but uh, looking for to find ways to make that healthy too. I'm at advanced-trainings.com, advanced-trainings.com. How about yep, you, also on the interwebs over at academyofclinicalmassage.com. And we have had a couple of... Um, messages and things from people sending over to us emails we appreciate hearing from you all the time you can send us mm-hmm. emails yes. at info at the thinking practitioner.com as well so we appreciate hearing from you as much as possible so um i think that's uh it for what we're gonna try to jump into today and um 
Otherwise, we will uh, catch you again and see everybody here again in two weeks. Hang in there, everybody. Hang in there, Whitney. I look forward to talking to you some more. Okay, sounds good. We'll do it.